before you leave today, I want you to hear from this preacher. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That we were born in sin and shapen in iniquity, but thankful. I'm thankful that there's a promise that we don't have to stay in that sin and in that trespasses because the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful for that gift? 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered unto you first all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, how he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. He died for you. He was buried for your sins, but he rose again so that you could have life and that more abundantly. I've said it over and over. This isn't my sermon. I'm getting somewhere for just a moment. But I've said it over and over. If we're going to believe Acts 1.8 where it says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, then I need you to kind of get in your mind one of those plugs that are on the wall. That plug is the reciprocal, the, the receptacle rather, of power. And as long as that plug is there, power is present. But it requires you to plug something in to the power. That three-pronged plug or that receptacle is the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But when you want to plug into the power, you're going to do what Peter said. Then said Peter unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because he died for me I die out to this old carnal fleshly sinful nature and repentance is a form of death the Bible says we are buried with him in the waters of baptism when you go down our baptismals behind that giant screen but when you go down in the waters of baptism yes it's O'Fallon water but it's representative of the blood that Jesus shed for me shed for you and it washes away your sin you're buried with him in the waters of baptism but just like on Easter Sunday when the grave burst forth and Jesus walked out of that grave conquering once and for all death, hell, and the grave, so you, in receiving the gift of His Spirit, be able to lift your hands and have life and newness of life. And I'm here today to tell you that's what we believe. You know why we believe it? Because the Bible says it. And here at Lighthouse, we've been seeing that. We're so thankful for what God is doing. Last Sunday, what a powerful time in the Holy Ghost we had. We had two that received the gift of the Holy Ghost. One of them is not able to be here today, and we'll give Ian his certificate uh, when he's able to get back. Be praying for the Way family and the Sanhydric family. Tuesday is Brother Way's funeral uh, in Illinois, Abington, Illinois. And so we're going to be there on Tuesday. But uh, he was able to hear his great-grandson receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they want to be baptized, Ian and his brother, they want to be baptized next Sunday. We're looking forward to that. But we're thankful that Sister Serena received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Would you come up here, Sister Serena? We want to give you a Holy Ghost certificate.
you say, thank you. you say, why do we celebrate this? Well, because heaven celebrates it. There's joy in heaven, the word says, over one sinner who repents. If you think the, the heaven throws a party over repentance, what do you think he does when the sins are washed away? What do you think heaven does when someone receives the gift of the Holy Ghost and they have new life? I'm telling you, it's a pretty cool place. We're glad that you're here. We're going to celebrate that. I, I would, just as, as if someone walked in today in a wheelchair, and before we left, God delivered them out of a wheelchair. You better believe I'd share that all over the place. If a blind person walked in and God opened blinded eyes, don't you know we'd shout. But the Word of God teaches in the Gospels, Jesus himself said, what's harder, if you will, to do? Heal somebody's withered arm or forgive them of their sins? Salvation is the greatest miracle of all time. And so we're going to celebrate every time salvation happens. Hallelujah. As you're standing, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 19. I want to preach to you. It's funny, I, I, I've now been preaching since about 1995, and so there's sermon titles and sermon thoughts that have percolated there. And I, I've preached a message uh, with the title that I'll give you here in a moment. Um, I, I was looking back. The first time I ever used this title was in 1998, Brother Gates's church in Kansas City, Missouri. I was a, uh, probably a sophomore at Gateway Bible College when I preached it. I've had a few roads traveled since then, learned a little bit more since then. I'd like to take you a little bit further. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 19, reading through verse 22. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth for the pains came upon her. And about the time that she, or about the time of her death, the women attending to her said, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. I want to preach to you today on this simple fact. Don't call me Ichabod. Don't call me Ichabod. Father, we thank you today for each and everything we felt. Your presence is already here in such a manifest way. Thank you for visiting us, we pray. Lord, I'm asking now that you would let your word, your word that is powerful, sharp, quicker, it's better than any two-edged sword, let it now reach the very center of our being and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Have you ever taken somebody's presence for granted you only missed them once they were gone I have I uh I don't think I took their presence for granted in the sense of 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 you know a worst case scenario but I I look at my grandparents all of my grandparents have passed on to their reward and 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 you know, there, there were times I wish I could go back and call them a few more times and see them a few more times and take another trip Paul Harvey told the story and I don't know if this is very spiritual, but Paul Harvey tells the story of an airline stewardess that was being hounded by two different men, two flirts on the, on the airplane. 
In the front of the airplane was one man that kept, kept trying to get her number and, and, and flirt with her. And on the back of the airplane was another one. They were very forward men. They had all their advances made and she kept doing their job. And finally the one in the front got real bold and gave the woman a key to his apartment and said, Hey, after you get off, here's my apartment. She thought about what to do with that, so she walked back and she handed that key to the guy at the back of the plane and she says, meet me there at 2.30. Pretty sure there were two very disappointed men in some apartment somewhere. That's totally not spiritual at all, but when I come to church, I've learned in my life to expect God to be there. In fact, I would get very disappointed if today there was no move of God and we walked off and we just kind of went our own separate ways. I, I, I don't want ever to be a part of a church or a part of a service where we would ever say God did not move. Now, before I go any further, let me help you out. God is always present and God always desires to move. It's never not that God did not move, but it always rests on my shoulders that I give God a chance in my life for Him to move. The story that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 4 is a sad story. It's a bridge between the time of judges and the time of kings. You have Eli who is a high priest and there you have the birth of Samuel, that precious young child that was given back to God. And there in the midst of a tabernacle he hears the voice of God and Samuel becomes a great prophet. But yet it was that Eli, as, 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 good, or, you know, as the off, good as the office of the high priest should have been, Eli and his sons did not do it justice. Somewhere along there, Eli missed passing on what it meant to be in God's presence to his sons. It was during that day that, that, that if I could quote from another pastor named Rick Boyne, he said that during that time of Ichabod's birth, preaching was scarce, priests were scandalous, and people were sinful. See, the Bible lays out the duties of the priest that... That as long as you're a priest, God will take care of you. You can imagine all of the sacrifices that came through. And a lot of times we think they just slit some animal's throat and threw it on the fire and let it be burnt to a crisp. It's not exactly how the sacrifices always worked. Many times they were roasted and they were boiled. And, and, and Levitical law stipulated that there was a fork that they could, a priest could dip into the meat that was cooking, if you will. And however much meat stayed on that three-pronged fork is how much they could take. They weren't to be choosy. It was whatever was available. But Eli's sons began to think differently instead of just taking what God had provided through the worship of the Israelites. They started getting greedy. They said, we want filet mignon. And so they would, they would stop the people coming in and before they would sacrifice that cow or before they would sacrifice that bull or they would take the best cuts of meat and bring it home. They were scandalous. They, not only that, did they steal from the sacrifices, but they, they, they were, were fornicators and adulterers. They did awful things and then later on, the, uh, they, they, got to this place where the Philistines came. They went out to attack the Philistines and God did not bless them. 
they weren't living right. It's the story of judges over and over. When they don't do right, God allows the enemy to overtake them. When they live for God, God lets uh, the enemy run. And so Hopni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, said, you know what? We ought to go back to the temple. We ought to pick up the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. And then we can march it into battle like we heard of our forefathers doing when they crossed the Jordan River or when they marched around the walls of Jericho. And we can go back there and everything will be good because God will be on our side. And so they picked up the Ark and they began to march into battle. Everybody was shouting. It scared the Philistines. But God wasn't in it. And it was that the Philistines captured the Ark. Killed Hopni and Phinehas. There was a great slaughter among the children of Israel and their army. And when somebody came back and told Eli, Eli was, was at the end of his life and he hadn't been very active. The Bible says he was a very big man, a grossly fat man. And he would just kind of sat on a stool all day, didn't really take care of things. And when he heard the news, he fell over backwards and broke his neck and died. And in the middle of that historical day, it is that a baby is about to be born. And Phineas' wife, the time of her, her birth, the birth of that child is coming and something happens and through the birth of that child she lay dying and she doesn't hear what's happening. She's not paying attention to what's happening. And as that boy is birthed, she names it Ichabod for the glory has departed from Israel. In her mind and in the mind of Israel, the thing that represented the presence of God had been stolen by the enemy. Can I tell you today that that happens more often than we'd like to say. Charles Finney, the great preacher of the 1800s, would say things like this. Any religious system that doesn't break the power of sin is a lie. There's a lot of fake things. There's a lot of false convictions that can lead to false glory. There's a lot of forms of godliness that deny the power thereof. There's a lot of times that we want to pick up the talisman of church and think that if we just sing the right song or hit the right chord on the piano or if we just come to church every Sunday, God's bound to be there. But we don't use God as some good luck charm. God is not dependent on your movement for his movement. They, they wanted the power of God. They didn't want the, the teaching of God, the commandment of God. They didn't want to obey any of his commandments. They just wanted God to help them. My question is simple. Can his glory ever leave you and I? Do we ever have worship without transformation? Do we ever just try to pray and use our prayer as some sort of magic box when we ignore all the other word that he speaks to us and we only hold on to, well, if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. They put God in a box and took him for granted. One minister had this lament, where is the glory? What happens 
to the glory of God? Where is that glorious presence and power in your life and my life? Where is His glory in our marriages? Where is His glory in our families? Where is His glory in our services? I want it to be that every day of my life, when I wake up in the morning till I put my head on my pillow at night, I want it to be said that I walked in the presence of God each and every day. I don't ever want anyone to look at me. I don't want anyone to look at our church and call us Ichabod and say, well, the glory departed from him. Well, the glory departed from them. No. See, let me tell you what happens. Ichabod was, was, was named by a dying mother. When people reach the end and they don't see any hope, They'll name a lot of different things and label a lot of different things. The Bible alludes to the church as the mother. And when the church ever loses the Spirit of God, it's dying. I, I, I will tell you now, across the, 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 the annals of, of church history, a church does not die. A church does not uh, uh, give up because the program stopped working. It doesn't give up because the building wasn't as big as they would like. It dies when the spirit no longer moves. It can exist for a while on the power of its programs. It can exist a while on the people that are still there, but, but let that group pass away and there's no new births and there's no spirit coming in. Then at some point the church dries up. I don't ever want to be a church that's called Ichabod. I like Jacob. Jacob had a wife that was dying giving birth, and as that baby boy was born, she said, call him Benoni, the son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, no, we're not going to name it son of my sorrow. We're going to name it Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. I realize you might be hurting in this moment, but God still has purpose, and God still has power. Can I help you today? I echo the words of Moses when the Lord said, I've had enough. I'm not going one step further with you. Exodus chapter 33. God gets so fed up with them that he said, uh, you go, you go to Egypt, I'll send you some angels before you. They can drive out the Canaanites and Amorites and Hittites, but I will not go up among you. Moses, Exodus 33, 12, Moses begins to pray and Moses begins to intercede. And he says this in verse 15, he says, if your presence will not go with me, then I am not going from this spot. Later on, he says, if you don't go with us, how will we be any different from anybody else in the world? Let me tell you what makes Lighthouse so different. Let me tell you why when you step into the power of God at Lighthouse, why is it it's because the Spirit is here. What gets a hold there on YouTube and, and, and our Facebook and, and I have people that text and people that call saying I watch the sermon and man, I tears rolling down my face. Why? Because the Spirit of God is here. See, Moses said, if you don't go with us, we're just like everybody else. We're no distinct. There's no separation and I would say the same thing, and Moses' response was, Lord, please show me your glory. And so the Lord 
put him in the cleft of a rock. Covered that rock, that cleft with his hand. And as God walked by, if you will, the Bible says, I'll take away my hand and you'll see my back. And Moses got a chance to see his glory. The promised land is nothing without the presence of God. I don't want angels to go with me. I want God to go with me. I'm not content with an angelic brush. I'm not content with a little goosebump here and there. I'm not content with just something spiritual that moves. The only thing that matters in my life is does the Spirit move with me? Your presence is what makes us stand out. Your glory, your presence, your spirit. The Bible says that the glory of God is Jesus Christ. The, invi- the glory of the invisible God. When I say I want his glory, what I'm saying is I want Jesus. I'll go so far to say this. Church doesn't matter if he's not present. Church doesn't matter if he's not moving. Church doesn't matter if he's not leading. You ought to say three things every morning when you wake up. Show me where you want me to go. Lead me where you want me to be. Take me to the promised land. Hold my hand. Let me follow you. I need your presence. I love the book of Acts. The more I read it, the more I see it. I I was reading Acts the other day, and and I got to Acts chapter 8, and it says there's a man named Simon who practiced magic. Everybody amazed by what Simon can do. The Bible says they said he was somebody great. Everybody paid attention to Simon. If Simon spoke, they listened. If Simon told them to jump, they asked how high. They said this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention, verse 11, they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, they were baptized, both men and women, even Simon himself believed. His magic kept their attention for a while. His sleight of hand got their attention for a while. It looked good. Well, until Jesus showed up, until the word showed up, people can tolerate the fake and the counterfeit if that's all they've ever been exposed to. But let somebody get exposed to the truth. Let somebody get exposed to the name of Jesus. Let somebody get exposed to the power of Almighty God. And when the real has been seen and when the real has been experienced, they will never want to go back to the magic. They'll never want to go back to the fake. The only thing that will satisfy is does the presence of God move? It's, it's Peter in chapter 3 of Acts when he meets the, the, the man that was lame and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. There is something to be said when you have a spirit. Let me say it one more time. I want the presence of God more than anything else. I must have his spirit. I must be led by his spirit. I must operate in his spirit. I must be full of his spirit. The only thing that matters is his presence. Don't call me Ichabod. I don't want to go through the motions. 
I don't want to depend. We, uh, we always joke around because th- uh, we have such an incredible music team and they're always here super early and they're practicing and, and, and all of that is good. The Bible says play skillfully, so I think practice is important. But every once in a while we'll joke. I'll say, you know, if you'll just do one of them key changes. You know, if you'll just, if you'll just give me a little shout beat. Man, God will move. Because in, in some of our minds, that's what it is. You know, they hit that organ just right. It kind of hits this certain key. and mm. But that's not what it's about. It's not about the preacher. It's about the word the preacher's preaching. Which is why it doesn't matter if it's a preacher that's preached a long time or whether it's one of these young people that's just preaching a little five-minute sermonette. If you start preaching the Word of God, then you start preaching about the truth and the Spirit of God begins to move. Why? Because that's where His presence is. Think about that time period. They watched the ark fade away in the distance of the Philistines encampment. Now it's a cool story what God does with the ark there. They put the ark in their temple of their God called Dagon, half fish, half man, because that sounds like somebody I want to worship. A mermaid. And they come in the next day and their mermaid's fallen down. And so they do what any good believer does. They prop their God back up. And they nail it to the ground so it can't fall again. And they worship that mermaid for a while and they leave. They come back the next day and it's fallen and now it's head rolled off. But, and and I've preached on it, there's a whole lot that happens. They have some difficulties getting God the Ark of the Covenant back into where it belongs. They forgot how to handle the presence of God. They forgot that you don't just touch it, you don't just carry it. I preached about that a month or two ago. But then you you turn the page of Scripture and you get to 2 Samuel chapter 6 or so. And they finally got it all figured out. The Ark of the Covenant begins to leave and come back to Jerusalem. The Bible said David shucked his coat off. And when that Ark had gone just six steps, he danced with all his might before the Lord. He comes marching into Jerusalem and he's worshiping and he's shouting and he's giving God everything he can. And there's old critical Michael, his wife, sitting in the window saying, why are you doing that? Why would you debase yourself, oh David? Why don't you act like a man? Why don't you act like a king? And in his mind, he's saying, you don't understand. There was a moment when a child born was called Ichabod because the glory left. But I've got this glory coming back. And whenever I get into the presence of God, I'll take off whatever it needs to take off. And I'll dance with abandon. And I'll give him praise because the only thing that matters is the presence of Jesus Christ. He gave it his all. He worshiped. He shouted. He said, I will celebrate before the Lord. And so it is today that 
I don't preach this message because we've lost the presence of God by any stretch of the imagination. Just go back and reminisce over the last couple of weeks and you'll find out Lighthouse is in a really good spot. I say it because I don't ever want to depend on just saying, well, if we get 200 people in church, we'll have good church. No, it still starts in that prayer room when you start praying before church. It starts each and every day when you're opening your Bible and you're reading the Word of God. It starts in your personal prayer time and it starts on a Wednesday night when you come to church. We don't just assume His presence is going to be here. It will be. Again, I'll I'll tell you, he never leaves. The Bible says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. But we can leave him. You ever been in the same room with someone but felt like they were a million miles away? That's how church is for some. He's right there. They just didn't recognize it. It's the whole crowd of people sitting on those those terraces there at the pool of Bethesda that didn't recognize Jesus was in their midst. They were in the presence. just didn't click. They weren't looking for it. They were, they were looking for the miraculous. They were looking for the waters to be troubled, not the one that would trouble the waters. So today, I challenge you. Don't be an Ichabod. Don't be the one that leaves and say, well, I didn't feel anything. I don't know why so-and-so was crying and shouting. I didn't feel a thing. No, be the one that steps into his presence. Lifting up hands. Saying, Lord, the only thing that matters today is your presence. It ought not take to the third song before you can lift your hands and worship him. It ought to be there before the praise team sings one phrase. You ought to walk into church with your mind made up saying, I know God's here. I'm going to come into his presence with thanksgiving. I'm going to enter into his courts with praise. And you begin to lift up your hands and you begin to lift up your voice and the king of glory comes in. As we stand across this building, I want it to be said always of Lighthouse Church. That God's presence is in it. I want God's presence to be in every song that's sung. I want God's presence to be in everything that's said. I want God's presence to be in every sermon preached. Every Sunday school lesson taught. In our connect time and on our Wednesday nights. Whatever is happening, I want it to be said. The Holy Ghost was in that place. I wonder if we could just lift our hands for a moment before we do anything, before we sing a song, before we make any move. Would you just exercise his presence a little bit?